Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I am Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have a gentleman on that's written 17 books by the name of Michael Gelb. I can't wait to bring him on and you guys to meet him. We'll be right with you. Okay, so here we are. I'm going to bring Michael on. Michael, welcome to the show. Great to be with you. It's great to have you on here. So we were talking a little bit before the show that um, you were referred over to me by our mutual buddy, Mark Victor Hansen. Yeah, he's, uh, he's an amazing powerhouse. What a great guy. He is. I, I'm pretty sure I've never mention a name of somebody to him that he didn't already know. <laughs> like he, he knows everybody. I'm like, dude, is there anyone you don't know? So, so I, I started this show about two and a half years ago and um, it was to help people have a breakthrough in life that, that, that gets stuck. And, and I think right now a lot of people might be stuck <laughs> with the current, current, uh, situation going on. So let's let's start with you talking about where you were born and raised. I was born in Jersey City. Wow. And New Jersey. I, New Jersey. Yeah. I grew up in Passaic and Clifton, New Jersey. Wow. Left home when I was 17 to go to college. Then did graduate work in England. Then wow. lived in D.C. for 17 years. Why? <laughs> I'll tell you why. No, seriously, because I wanted <laughs> I wanted to change the world by teaching world leaders how to think more creatively and be more innovative. And of course, what I discovered was that politicians were not interested. <laughs> right. Uh, but fortunately business was. Yeah. And I, I was, I was really blessed early in my career. I was engaged by some humanistic visionary leaders and they asked me to design programs to help develop their high potential people and to do executive coaching for them. And uh, well, most of those leaders rose up to became to become CEOs of major companies and now they're all retired, but I'm not, I'm just warming up. <laughs> I love that. Good. Good. I love that. I, I can't imagine retiring. I don't know. It's just not, I <laughs> doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, what do you do? Go play. I mean, you can only play so much golf, right? So, 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 so you, now you said you were in DC for 17 years. Where did you, and, and well, let's back up a little bit. You went to college where in Jersey somewhere? No, I went to Clark university in Worcester, okay. Massachusetts. Okay. And I went there cause it was the place where Freud and Jung came when they came to the United States. Wow. And, and William James came over from Harvard at, at, for this amazing psychoanalytic conference. Yeah. And it had this very rich tradition of psychology. And I wanted to go to the source to understand the human mind. Yeah. Having said that, even though I loved Clark and it was a great opportunity, there was a a gap between the academic knowledge that many of my professors had and their ability to implement it or manifest it in their own being. Yeah. And I was more interested in how one could live these deeper principles and understanding of, of the world's great insights into the mind. Yeah. So that led me on the proverbial 
spiritual quest, I went to England in, this is in 1974, and I spent a year on a retreat with a genius, a spiritual genius, studying all of the world's great traditions from someone who had effectively mastered them. Right, right. So that was a pretty cool way to launch my life is look at the deepest truth. And then, then I had to ask myself the question, okay, now what do I do with this? How do I translate insight into human nature and potential and possibility into some useful endeavor? So, so you went on the, so uh, where did, did you go like to a mountaintop and, and meditate? What was the, what was the, the thing you were doing over in, in Europe? Yeah. Well, this, this amazing guy named JG Bennett, who, he was a linguist who, who spoke 11 languages. So wow. before it was a, a, a cartoon in the New Yorker, he went to the Himalayas, climbed the mountain talk to the guru in Hindi. Wow. He, he was the British consul to Istanbul right wow. after World War I. And he was fluent in Turkish. And he met Sufi masters. And he got to know them and became initiated into their whole way of looking at the world. Wow. He, he knew the, the, the Old and New Testament by heart. And he could cross-correlate from the Bible to the Upanishads to the uh, Quran with this amazing... And he was also head of coal research for Britain during World War II. Wow. I mean, really a, a genius. And I learned earlier, I like hanging out with geniuses because if you do it enough, real and virtual... Yeah. There's a there's an osmosis that takes place. Right. You start, to start to get that genius mojo and right. share it with other people. So Bennett was the first genius I was able to spend an intensive period of time with. He brought in a Buddhist monk, the abbot of a Cambodian Buddhist monastery, you know, who taught us meditation. I mean, every evening we we would meditate. Uh, we would we we did practice practical meditation you know today it's called mindfulness this was this yeah. is a long time ago it was before sure. this was all branded this way yeah uh, but it was just the real the real juice from mm. an authentic explorer uh, and, and spiritual genius so that was an amazing opportunity to have at age 20 that is incredible that is absolutely you know i've read um I, you know, Dr. Wayne Dyer was one of my favorite authors, and um, I, I've I've talked about this a lot. I'm very open about my um, I'm in recovery from alcohol, and I, I've got 18 years sober. And about 17 years ago, somebody said you should try meditating, and I'm like, that's not in the Bible, and but it is, and and yeah. so so you know, but I I was you know I very. You know, I, I don't know what the the word is, um, dogmatic, I guess, and and um, so I started meditating. I've meditated every day of my life for over seventeen years. In fact, I've told people like, I'll be late for a meeting before I miss my morning meditation. Like, I, I just it's not something I'm willing to give up. So, talk a little bit about, if you don't mind, um, what you what you discovered because do you know who Pema Shadrone is? Sure. Okay. So I've, I've listened, I've watched a lot of her stuff on YouTube and listened to her. And um, so talk a little bit about what you see meditation being for the average person that doesn't meditate. Sure. Well, first of all, let's preface this by saying all of us need all the help we can get. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whether you're in recovery, I mean, we're all in recovery from the trauma of trying to figure out what the heck we're doing here. Yeah, def <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I, you know, I've often wondered that, Michael. I, I've thought, am I the only one that, that that wonders, why are we here? Why am I here? Like, 
you know, there's times when I'll be like, okay, what's the purpose of this? And how do I like, everybody's walking around thinking that. Well, and what's so beautiful. I know you, you, one of the themes of your show is breaking through walls. Yeah. 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 And, and, and but that's really what we're talking about is people grow up and, and, our society, the dysfunctional nature of our society makes it pretty much prevalent, pretty much rare exceptions that there, you meet. It's rare to meet anyone who isn't surrounded by walls, who isn't yeah. armored, who isn't in emotional and spiritual lockdown. And we... And it's it's tragic because it, it it's 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 a survival adaptation. Yeah. Except it's not really the most adaptive or intelligent way to manage. So they're just one of the great sayings when people make breakthroughs. It, a lot of times it's because they say this phrase or some version of it. They say there has to be a better way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there must be a better way, right? And I got to tell you, uh, uh, so you know, one of the things I, te I teach uh, uh, Tai Chi and Qigong, a form yeah. of moving meditation, yeah. been doing it for decades and decades. Wow. And it's my personal favorite way now of feeling completely open, free, connected to vitality and energy and something greater than my small separate self. So the sense of whatever you want to call it, bliss, oneness, connectedness, that doesn't have to be some rare mountaintop experience. If you have a practice and you find the one that works for you, whatever style or form of meditation, doesn't matter. There's a lot of good ones out there. Yeah. You then, you have a way of just reliably freeing yourself from the walls and the armor connecting yeah. with your true nature, which then makes it easier for you to connect with the true nature of other people. Other people like that. They're drawn yeah. to you. They want to be with us in this conversation. You know, you, Mark Victor Hansen is that kind of guy. Pema Chodron is that kind of person. Wayne Dyer was that kind of person. So remember what I said before, surround yourself with geniuses, real and virtual, and it 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 sinks in and it just becomes it it's nourishment for the soul yep. and our world is not set up to nourish the soul so we have to be uh, take initiative in create i call it now I, I i i guide my students i say you must become more so than ever in human history the curator of your soul because there's so much potential negative influence right. waiting for you, lurking right there in your device, ready to, to grab your nervous system, hijack it and not give it back and swirl you into all sorts of garbage and rubbish. Yep. On the other hand, right there at your fingertips is access to, you can hear, you can meditate with Pema Chodron. You can hear a talk from Wayne Wayne. Dyer. You can hear Mark Victor Hansen. You could yeah. hear J.G. Bennett. You can hear Amma, the Hindu hugging saint. You can have a blessing from her. You can listen to Donald Hoffman talk about the neuroscience of consciousness. You can go uh, deep into so many wonderful, enriching, life-affirming uh, uh, elements. But what do you choose? What do you choose? And if you don't consciously discipline yourself to choose truth, beauty, and goodness, you're yeah. going to get the opposite of all of that. Wow. That's deep. <laughs> <laughs> That's deep. Well, I mean, for me, I, I've studied, I've uh, not nearly as long as you, but I've studied um, you know, I, 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 there was a book, I'm sure you've read it or heard it. I know you, I, I, I bet anything you've read it. Um, the road less traveled by, sure. by M Scott Peck. Okay. And, and that was, that was the first, that was probably the first book I read that made me go, whoa, 
<laughs> like everything that I've ever been programmed with that in the four agreements by Don Miguel and, and, you know, like these, these are a couple of the first couple of books that I, 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 and, and then it was like the universe just started pouring this stuff on me. <laughs> I was like, I can't take anymore. But like, you know, it, it, it is when you, it's, it's almost like when you're, um, when you're introduced to something brand new that you've never heard of and you find out that, wow, maybe my entire life has been a lie. <laughs> like everything I ever thought was true. All of a sudden I'm going, wait a minute, there's something off with, with all of this. So, um, you know, did you have any experience like that yourself? Yes, I did. Very early on, I I used to sit there in school, and I was one of those kids who could never sit still. Yeah. And I was asking too many questions, and I, I got in lots of trouble. I was, I was sent to the principal's office all the time. I got to say, it's really hilarious because – a few years ago, I was invited to be the keynote speaker at the National Principals Leadership Institute conference. <laughs> and I had, I had four or 500 high school principals in my audience and they were paying me to talk to them. And I told oh them, the last time I saw a principal, I was getting sent to your office. Now you're paying me. <laughs> so, uh, but when I was a kid, the whole world said I was the problem. Yeah. And Ooh. why didn't I fit in? And why why didn't I ask? Why did I ask so many questions? And then when I was when I was about 14, 15, I started to read, read Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search for oh. Meaning. That was my turnaround book. That was the book that helped me say if this guy could find a sense of higher purpose and meaning in the most yeah horrifying conditions imaginable, then surely yeah. I have to find it in my life. And then I read Abraham Maslow towards a psychology of being. And yeah. I learned about this notion of, of self-actualization. Yeah. And then I read the works of Carl Jung. And this, this, it was all really personal because I was trying to make sense of the world, not just my own personal world where I, had too much energy and asked too many questions to sit there in school, but it was a time of great divisiveness. It was the Vietnam war. Yeah. There were uh, racial tensions. There was lots of corruption and craziness. Gee, <laughs> wait, wait. Like 2020. <laughs> well, actually, the funny that's the last time my hair was this long. <laughs> and here we are again. Uh, uh, but what, I said, you know, I said, there has to be, there have to be unifying principles that can bring people together, that can transcend the political divisions that I saw then and that I see now. Yeah. What are our shared values? How can we find new solutions to live those values? So instead of what I saw when I moved to DC, all everybody had their position. And yeah. if you're if you're arguing or, or operating from a position, by definition, you won't be creative or innovative. So I became fascinated with how do you teach the art of creative thinking so we can find new, fresh solutions that look after the needs of more of the stakeholders in our society. And, and so that's what led me to begin my, my study of the life of Leonardo da Vinci, and that led to writing How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. Look at this, my buddy Joe Soto. I don't know if you know Joe or not. Hey, <laughs> he saw you speak many years ago and inspired to um, make creativity a study. Wow, and juggle as oh, yeah. well. Wow, Thank you, Joe. Well, that's so cool. Yeah, I, I worked my way through graduate school as a professional juggler. <laughs> Did I you really? I juggled with Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones with Bob Dylan. Oh my gosh. And, and I I wound up and you know, so when I was doing all of this, I was just looking for truth, for meaning, for purpose. It took a while for me to to link it to okay, uh, politicians, governments not interested. And I was even surprised to find out that 
education wasn't that interested because it was too bureaucratic, but entrepreneurs were interested and yes. they wanted to know how to think creatively. They yeah. wanted to know how to innovate. They loved the idea of juggling as a metaphor for what they have to do every day, which is keep a lot of things up in the air, yep. stay centered, don't freak out when something drops, pick up the ball for your partner, make yeah. it fun. And, and so I abstracted from juggling these lessons. I actually wrote this book called Lessons from the Art of Juggling and started teaching business people in big seminars. I, I taught a thousand IBM engineers how to juggle in a big wow. hotel ballroom as a metaphor for what people talk about the learning organization and developing accelerated learning. So starting in the mid seventies, I was using juggling as a way of teaching uh, accelerated learning in a really fun and engaging and engaging way. Wow. Look at what Joe says. That is like so you, cool, Joe. I know. I, I, all right. So Joe is a really good friend of mine. I'm actually, look at this. You got, I can juggle. I, I can do it. I can do it. I don't have anything here to do it with, but I can juggle. Not, you'd probably nowhere near as well as you, but Joe, we got to get you on Joe's show too. He has a show called Not Your Average Joe Show. How so, cool is that? Yeah, right. So yeah, we got to get you on his show too. But cool. he's awesome. You got that's incredible. I had no idea that Joe knew who you were. So see, small world, isn't it? Connezione. So so you now. So you when did you write your very first book? Because I know you've written seventeen books. Yes. Amazing! Wow. Um, so when did you write your first one? So. From 1975 to 1978, after I finished Mr. Bennett's school, I was trying to figure out what am I going to do to translate this, these profound experiences into something useful for humanity. Mm. And I went through a real crisis because I knew, I knew always that I wanted to do something that would help others, that would be healing for humanity, and that mm. would be fun and engaging for me, myself. And that right. would help me grow and learn. So th those were my criteria. And at first that led me towards thinking I might get a PhD in clinical psychology. Problem is that back then they didn't have positive psychology yet. Right. So you had to study neurosis and psychosis. And I was interested in creativity and, and human potential. Right. Right. So I thought, of, I thought of going to medical school, but it was the same problem. They didn't have integrative medicine yet or functional medicine. You right. just had to immerse yourself in disease. Right. I was interested in wholeness and health. But fortunately, I discovered the Alexander Technique, which is the method that they still teach at the Juilliard School and the Royal Academy of Drama and the Royal Academy of Music and many of the great performance schools around the world for developing stage presence. And mm. I, that is really cool. I want to learn that. I want to teach that. So I went on this three-year full-time program to become an Alexander Technique teacher. And I thought, since this is something outside of the mainstream, people know what a PhD in psychology is and they know what a MD is, but they don't know what an Alexander Technique teacher is. Why don't I do a master's degree and articulate what this is. So while I was training in this professional training program for three years, I enrolled in a master's program and I wrote my thesis. And my thesis became my first book. And it wow. has now, now been in print for 40 years. It's called Body Learning, an Introduction to the Alexander Technique. And it's the book that I wish I had when I was trying to learn about the Alexander technique at first. So, so what, tell me a little bit about the Alexander technique. What is, what is, what is that? Well, Alexander was a Shakespearean actor, but he had a problem. He got stage fright and he started to lose his voice in the middle of performances. Not good for your career. If you're a performer or a, <laughs> no. or a public speaker. Yeah, that's bad. Bad, very bad. So he went to therapists and doctors and voice trainers and 
he did everything they said, but it didn't work. So he did something that was quite extraordinary. He said, I must be doing something unconsciously that's causing me to lose my voice. What is it? So this is back in the 1890s. There's no wow. video. He set up a system of mirrors and he watched himself as he practiced speaking. And he saw this pattern that manifested as soon as he even began to think about speaking. And if I exaggerate it, the pattern's like this. It's a, it was later studied at Tufts University. It's called the startle pattern. And it's a common, universal actually, human response to stress or fear. So wow. what happens, and we're all familiar with this, if, if a loud noise goes off, somebody slams the door, there's an explosion, we go, we go yeah. like that. But what yeah. happens to a lot of us, it's what we're talking about before, is we grow up in this world, is too much craziness, too much yeah. to integrate, especially if you don't meditate. Yeah. So people get locked into these armored patterns that are their own interpretation of the startle pattern. Okay. And, and the key thing is that it affects your functioning. It affects your voice. It affects a lot of pains, aches and pains that people have that they don't know why they have back pain and so on. So Alexander is learning to become aware of those patterns and letting them go. Now you notice I was just imitating that, but you hear the difference in my voice yeah, as right. I emerge into my full stature. Yeah. And, and, and I, I happen to be married to a world-class opera singer. And wow. I got to tell you, the, here's the real bonus story about writing my master's thesis and getting it published as a book. While I was doing that, my wife, Deborah, was three years old. And <laughs> years later, she, she went to Juilliard. Wow. The professional opera training program there where they teach the Alexander Technique. And her oh Alexander God. Technique teacher gave her body learning an introduction to the Alexander Technique. Yeah. She read my book. She saw that I was teaching on a seminar out in California. This is 16 years ago. She went to that seminar. We connected and we have been together ever since. So oh, writing wow. the book turned out to be truly, that's a royalty <laughs> I never could have expected. <laughs> <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. That's amazing. Isn't that wow. Amazing? Yeah. <clears throat> so, so, um, wow. That we just went deep. So, so is she still, she's an opera singer? Oh, she sure is. She's just magnificent. The most exquisite, perfect sound I've ever heard in oh, my wow. life. And I actually, I heard it before I even met her because I heard this singing. We were on this, uh, we were at Casa de Maria in Santa Barbara, California for this retreat. Okay. And I was walking around the grounds and I heard this sound, and I thought that's just the most beautiful sound I've ever heard. Turned out to be uh, Deborah, and yeah, so I get to hear that every day. I get to hear that every day, and it, she's gotten better in sixteen years because she yeah. she applies and studies the Alexander technique uh, on a, on a daily basis. It's the core of her work, and she also is an amazing voice teacher, and she helps people transform their when you change your sound you change your vibration obviously sure so alexander is a way to tune the instrument not just for singers but you know what i don't teach singing i right. lots of times i guide ceos to give major presentations right. i've been coaching my clients to speak and you know what's interesting is i've also written stuff for them over the years because they can delegate somebody to write their right. address to the company, but you right. can't delegate somebody to give the, the presentation. You've it's got totally it. Totally different. So totally different. So that's a, my, my most recent book is, is called Mastering the Art of Public Speaking. Wow. Because I, I you know it's just a passion of mine. It's something that I, I try I try in all my work, I, I I look for this sweet spot. I say, what's something that I'm really passionate about, that I've really learned a lot about that 
is will be most helpful to other people. That's right. my simple sweet. And you know, the truth is, I, I've never thought that will make a lot of money. Some of them have made a lot of money. Some of them only my close friends and relatives have purchased. But yeah. that's I, I'm, I'm not changing that. I just keep doing what I love to do the most that I think might help you. That's what I do. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I, I have an academy where I teach people how to do this live streaming and cool. interviews yeah. and, and stuff. Right. And a huge part of that is, is mindset and getting into that place. Cause I, I mean, and, and I, I've said this a million times, like the very first time I did a live stream, you may or may not like this, but but I say I always say I was nervous as a hooker in church. <laughs> I, I was. I was like I had all these voices in my head. Like, what if an ex girlfriend shows up, or what if this? What all of the what ifs? Like, I, I'm going to go live to all these people that I don't know across the entire globe on the internet. What? And 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 so I remember something inside of me just saying, just do it just do it. And so I hit that live button. I'm looking at my phone and I'm like, I felt like a complete idiot. And I was like, uh, hi, <laughs> like I didn't even. Yeah. Right. But then I did. I'm like, well, that wasn't bad. I didn't die. I sweat a lot, but I, I dried off and I'm good. I'm going to do it again. And so, and, and now I've done over 23, 24, 2,500 live streams. I don't know the exact number, but I can get on and do a live stream with anybody, anytime, anywhere now. And it doesn't bother me in the, in the least for the person that is, because if you're teaching public speaking, you're doing like the people that I work with, I'm, I'm like, look, man, I know it's hard the first time it's hard. The first 100 times, quite frankly, how do you help that person? That's like, I'm terrified. We just sold a book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Joe just ordered it. But how do you teach? How do you, and I think somebody else said they were going to Audible to look for your book, but um, how do you help somebody overcome that first time fear? Sure. Well, the first thing is, and I love that you shared your story because that's the kind of story that's very helpful for people. Yeah. Is, understand that it's natural, it's highly prevalent to feel fearful. And <laughs> like a hooker at church. <laughs> well, Charles, Charles says, stop picking on that no, hooker we love her. What, what a per That's the perfect place for her to be. Uh, it right? is. She's nervous just before she, she has a transformation experience of divine <laughs> blessing. So, right, right, right. So, but, yeah. So, so when, when, but again, I, I work with, and I'm sure you do. Like, I was just, I was in Vegas last year speaking to 500 people on a stage, and that was my first time in a long, long, long time. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm getting up there on that stage in front of all these people. What the hell? And so, how, how do you help somebody? How do you, I mean, it's not, it can't be as simple as just do it. No, it's not. But that's just the first, the very first thing is to realize 74% of people suffer from glossophobia, the fear of public speaking. Yeah. Uh, everybody gets butterflies. So what I teach them is how do you get the butterflies to fly in formation? Oh. And, and there's, remember I said earlier, we all need all the help we can get. So yeah. what I aim, aim to do is give you everything I've learned in more than 40 years of being a professional public speaker. Yeah. So, sure. so I do it for money, right? I, right. I pay by the word. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when you do it for money and you get paid by the word, there's a very high expectation. There's a, you know, if you, if, if, if serious business people, CEOs, big conference, they're paying you a premium amount of money. I met, that's where I met Mark Victor Hansen. We were both speaking to a group of some success conference for chiropractors. Mm. And I forget whether he followed me or I followed him, but we were in the green room afterwards, you know, basically 
in a mutual immediate mutual admiration society. Yeah. Because the people who can walk on the stage feel complete connection with the whole room, tune into the audience. And here's so here's a seat. Learn what professionals do. That's what yeah. that's what I have to, to teach. You don't have to be a professional. It's gonna be so much easier for you if you're not in that high pressure situation. Right, right. But learn what professionals do and what do we do that the average person doesn't do? Well, first of all, we set our objectives for every presentation specifically in terms of what we want the audience to know, how we want them to feel, and what do we want them to do? Whereas the average person prepares for a presentation and their only objective is survive this without embarrassment or humiliation. <laughs> right. If that's your goal, you're, the butterflies are going to be banging into each other and you're not going to have a successful experience. So make it about the audience, not about you. And all of a sudden you have objectives, you have a direction, you have a focus, and the butterflies start to come into alignment. So that's one of the simplest. When you know what you're talking about. There you go. That's you what know, I. Because people say to me all the time, I want to be a professional speaker. I say, well, do you have anything worth saying? Said, <laughs> right. Get a life, have some experiences, learn something, have something you want to communicate. Then we'll talk about how to become a speaker. They also say to me, I want to write a book. Well, that's great. Do you have anything to share? Go yeah. have a life, get some experience. Then we'll talk about writing it. Yeah. So, so what's your message? You know, if I say to you, if I say to anybody, they say, I'm afraid of speaking, blah, blah, blah. I say, okay, look, what's your favorite holiday you ever went on? Uh, what are you looking forward to uh, in, the, in, in the next year? Uh, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite wine? Uh, right. You're a golfer. What do you like about golf? And they yeah. start, tell, tell me a funny golf story. What's the funniest thing that ever happened to you on the golf all of a sudden, they're the most fluid, natural, wonderful speaker in the world. They're expressive. Their voice tone modulates. They're not saying, um, uh, you know, it was like, um, uh, 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 blah, blah. Right, right. <laughs> right, so you're right. We just get people to tell their story. Right. It, it, you're you're going to – so I, I, if I'm hearing you right, and I know I think I am, don't try to speak on something you know nothing about. The butterflies are going to like do suicidal dive bombs, man. It's going to be bad, right? So you want to get the butterflies flying synchronistically based on you're talking, you're just talking, you're telling a story about something you are familiar with, you know. Yes. And then think, I love that. think it through in terms of, what you want the audience to know, how you want them to feel, yeah. what do you want them to do so that you are audience focused. And, and then you're there to serve. You're there to contribute. And people sense that. Yeah. And they like it. And they want to be in. If people like you, they want to be influenced by you. Yeah. And if you're caring about them and, and really genuinely putting your effort and energy and expertise into something that you think they would like to know, something that will help them feel uplifted, energized, and inspired, and something you think that if they do this, it's going to enrich their lives, well, butterflies, whoosh. Gone. Well, not gone. Flying oh. in. Yeah. Right. Because right. I've done I've done things where, you know, I've, I'm speaking in a live stream environment with a bunch of people watching and then somebody will throw a question or a comment completely out of left field that maybe I don't know anything about. And and I, I found myself like, whoa, that just threw me off for a minute. Right. So, sure. And when it's live, you can't you can't edit that out. So. Right. But it's how quickly you recover. It's right. not that you don't lose it. We all lose it. It's yeah. how quickly you recover. So one of the other things that's somewhat unique about my approach, besides the fact that I integrate in the Alexander technique, yeah. I've also studied and taught martial arts for many, many years. And in martial arts, part of what fascinated me about martial arts is learning to recover your poise, recover your center. 
not that I was interested in in fighting or dominating. Right. Uh, uh, that's not so much. I mean, I'm intrigued by that, and I like testing it out yeah. in actual sparring, which I've done a lot of over the years. But my greater interest is in using somebody coming to punch me in the face or hit me with a stick as a metaphor for what you just described, which is somebody saying something you didn't expect that right. shocks you or upsets you. And yeah. then just like, it's just like you didn't expect to get that uh, uh, elbow upside your head. Uh, you know, right. I thought he was going to throw the roundhouse and then he closed the distance and hit me with the elbow. It's like, boom, right. boom. but how fast can I get it back together again? Right. And, 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 and deal with the situation. I get knocked down. How quickly do I get back up ready, ready to, to be present and deal with the situation. So, Wow. That kind of resilience and and speed of adaptation to stressful circumstances is what we're all aiming to learn and share. It's really relevant all the time, but it's especially yeah. relevant at the current moment. Wow, man. Like uh, this this is amazing. So so uh, and and I always ask this towards the end. We're not towards the end, but I I'm I, I just I want to get this out because I I, I have a feeling I'm going to love your response. Um, and the number one answer to what I'm getting ready to ask you, by the way, is fear. So you have to do uh -huh. better than that. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what what do you think? Because here you are at 20 years old, and you're going off to India or or wherever you you were and, I'm in and, england so i wouldn't get dysentery i let the indians come to me oh okay okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah yeah so well, you know, i didn't want to die in some you know yeah. some place uh, uh no i, I did it yeah. in england <laughs> well but you know back back in the 70s it was still relatively safe to hitchhike across the country too. So, That's true too. You know, yeah. But, but so, so here you are traveling off to a foreign country and, and you had something inside of you that, that, that a lot of people, I believe most people have that, but they don't pursue it. Right. What made you decide? And I, I haven't gotten to my question yet. I apologize. Right. My brain is going crazy right now. Um, what made you go? I got to. I got to go do this. I got to. I got to go deeper here. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I knew I was making a big commitment when I said I'm going to sign up to go to this. It was called the International Academy for Continuous Education. Wow! And it was a ten month residential program. And in addition to meditating every day, we fasted once a week. And when I say fasted, I mean 36 hours with nothing. And instead of eating, we meditated. Water? And we, uh, we were, uh, after 24 hours, you could, you could have a cup of tea, and then you got to have breakfast the next morning. <laughs> uh, and we did days of silence. Wow. And we, by the way, we worked through all this. I learned to, I learned to cook for 120 people. I learned literally how to shear sheep and, and spin the wool. We, we, we mined the mud from the bottom of a river and learned how to turn it into pottery. Uh, so it was, we learned how to grow a garden and these are organic gardens, but you know, this is in the seventies. Yeah. Uh, this was, this was visionary. JG Bennett was a visionary, amazing spiritual genius. So, so but I knew that, I remember when I had to make the decision, would I leave? I had a very comfortable, happy life. I had finished, I finished Clark University early. I finished in three years. Wow. And I remember thinking, it was, it was sort of, I have to, the, the, the gravity of life, the pull of life, go to work, have a career, achieve something, you know, make, make, show that you're worthwhile, prove your value by succeeding, by doing something. I knew that I was affected by that as much as anybody, wow. but I, I think I sensed that 
here was an opportunity. And you know, I did it consciously. I actually, I, I said, if I can finish college in three years instead of the full four, I can take that extra year and go immerse myself in something that is the pure quest for learning instead of getting my bachelor's degree or my master's degree or my PhD or some other. This was just pure intrinsic quest. So I, I justified it to myself. I have enough of that, you know, uh, Judeo-Christian Protestant work ethic thing. It's like I couldn't just take a year off. But if right. I finished college a year early, I was going to go do that. And so it was mm. just because I could, and yeah. I found a way to, to make it up. And it just seemed to me, well, what's more important than knowing why you're here? At 20 years old, you had that insight, though. That, that see, Mike, and, and I get it. I can relate to it, okay? But I think that there are so many people that we, we it, it's, it's what Don Miguel Ruiz talks about, the programming of the human, right? So, yeah. so we, we were born into this world, and immediately the adults go to work at shaping our little minds, right? And I, I don't think they mean any harm, but they're like, this is what you have to believe. This is your political belief system. This is, you know, and so, so most people grow up, become adults, live a whole life, and never really go deep on questioning that. And it sounds like you did. Turns out that way. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, you know, we could try to, what I really explain it by is I was just incredibly blessed and marvelous synchronicities uh, presented themselves to me. And I was in many ways, just very, very lucky. Uh, yeah. My mom and dad both involved in healing professions. My dad was an oral surgeon and he wasn't just a technically good surgeon. People are terrified when they go, you know, for a wisdom tooth or yeah. something worse, a broken jaw. And my dad always had a gift to calm them and help them feel safe. Wow. And my mom was a, a psychotherapist in the Passaic County mental health clinic. So working with really just the most under, advantaged people with the gravest difficulties, drug addicts and psychotics, and literally people you know sent by the court, wow. uh, sentenced to have therapy to try to help them function and not harm themselves or others. So we, we the joke, uh, uh, we still call, they're still around. My dad's 93, my mom's uh, just about to be 90. And we always call them mental and dental. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. But what's cool about my parents is they had each in their own way uh, what Carol Dweck would later call a growth mindset. Instead of a fixed mindset, yeah. they were curious. That's you know that's why my mom my mom decided she wanted to go back to school and become a psych psychologist, and she did. Wow. And my dad said, I will, I will go along with this, uh, which was a big deal because you know, he used to work really hard. She'd have the dinner ready, three kids. But my dad said, no, uh, you go to school, which was at night. I'll come home from work and I'll heat up the stuff and take care of the kids. And then, and, and my, it was hilarious. My dad, <laughs> he used to give my mom money for all the A's that she got. And she got all A's. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we made it, you know, and, yeah. and I'll tell you the other thing was also really influential to me. This was later, but you can get a feeling for the, the ethos of my family. Yeah. Is that so my parents uh, were, they went from a world where, you know, the man worked, the woman left college, raised the kids, and yeah. that was it. And then all of a sudden, the women's movement, opportunity yeah. for women, uh, uh, dissatisfaction. Uh, and many of my parents' contemporaries, many of the couples, of course, got divorced. Yeah. But my parents did something really cool. They said, we're going to work on our relationship. We're going we're gonna to do counseling uh, individually and together. Wow. So, you know, th that's, that's, that's if I attribute 
the blessing I have to an immediate yeah. source, it is to their growth mindset, to the fact that, you know, when I would come to them with these crazy ideas about what I wanted to do, yeah, they, I mean, look, they would have preferred me to become a doctor or a PhD. Let's get real. Yeah. Uh, actually, there's this hilarious, I got to tell you. So, <laughs> so I go off to England and I'm training as an Alexander Technique teacher. And yep. it's, it's a three-year full-time training program. And, and so my parents visit me in England and they come to the school for the first day. And on the day they happened to come to the school, I'm not making this up, we were doing this exercise where we started lying on the floor. And then we simulated the progress of evolution by walking, moving around like a reptile, wow. and then a four-legged mammal, and then a primate, and then a human to help appreciate what is the upright posture. But I think my parents arrived right where we were all in the mammalian stage. So we're all crawling on the floor. <laughs> and you know, I could see my parents going like, for this, he gave up medical school. <laughs> but but they, were, they were supportive. And you know, they, I think they knew, they knew that I was following something true. And for you know, and, and they they just were supportive. They were supportive. And then they were, then when I, you know, my, my thesis became my first book and got translated into 16 languages. Wow! Then they then they were then they were thrilled, and now since then, uh, actually, right since the thesis, they have been on the editorial board of every book I've written, because wow. they're also among the most accurately critical people that I know. Yeah, and and you know, one of my mottos is, "Get edited before you're published." Right. <laughs> Amen. 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 I agree. Yeah. So, so what, what do you think? So my question I was going to ask you, um, what do you think in your opinion holds most people back in life from, from success and happiness, which I think are the same. Um, what do you think holds most people back? Ignorance and fear. Okay. Ignorance and fear. They, they haven't had the opportunity to be exposed to the opportunities that can help them develop their potential. They've been led to believe and they bought into the notion that they are these limited, constrained, narrow, survival-oriented creatures and that their fate is to focus on that basic program of surviving and multiplying. And yeah. so, yeah. And, 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 and then the fear of if I go live on yeah. my first live stream, I love, you know, live stream is such a perfect metaphor for what we're really talking about. You're yeah. always on a live stream. Yeah. How vital is it and how fluid is the stream? Yeah. Are you this frozen icicle in the middle of this, this stream? Are you, a, are you blocking the natural flow of life? And most of us are, of course. And again, in some ways, as we said earlier, it is truly the best of times and the worst of times because we have more opportunity to access the wisdom the true deep wisdom of every tradition and culture and not, yeah. and not the philosophy and the meditation and the contemplation, but the music, the poetry, the, the food, the cuisines, the, the traditions. There's so much to learn and so much inspiration available to us, but there's also the default setting is vicious spam. So yeah. that's why you have to be the curator of your soul. I, I love what Joe says up here. I'm looking for the comment. Here it is. With everyone switching to virtual presentations and summits and selling, your book is very, very timely. I, I, I think the, he's right. The world definitely needs to learn. Because I, I 
I'm also a live stream critic <laughs> since, <laughs> since that's what I do. And, yeah. and I, I see people that, that, you know, some public speaking training would definitely serve them. My public speaking training has come from the punches in the face, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just doing it. The hooker in church. And, and so, so, so that's where, and I'm like, you know, there is a shortcut and that is learning how to do it the, the proper way and, and, and deal with the, the jitters and the shakiness and, and, and all of that. So what, what do you see the, do you see any, do you have any insight as to like, what's, what's going to happen in the near future with, with all of this online stuff? You know, we've switched from from stages and conferences to to you know a hybrid model at least. Yeah. I would say. Yes. Well, last couple of weeks ago, I was teaching at the Fordham Gabelli Business School, and I had a group of people in the classroom, and then I had another group of people on the Zoom. Yeah. So I was having the that the hybrid experience. Yeah. I have had many experiences teaching in this modality and fortunately was able. What's great is I didn't have to change much of anything in right. mastering the art of public speaking to accommodate this new reality because right. everything that's in the book is even more important in in this new reality. And look, this is here to stay. We're, we're going to have more. We had hybrid stuff before this. We're going to have more. We're going to have a lot of companies saving a lot on travel budgets because they've discovered how well you can do this. And it will also make being live with people in the same room even more precious and valuable and being skilled in that interactive, real human personal way of being is going to become even more of a premium and something to cultivate during this hiatus from a lot of that. Yeah. So the human interconnected empathic relationship way of being is becoming more important, not less. And you know, I, what I love it. I, so I, I told you I, I teach I teach this uh, qigong class. We call it life energy yeah. fitness. Yeah, and I do it I do it on webinar jam every week. I do one in the fall, one in the spring, uh, one yeah. in the summer, one in the winter, and so on. And I just I started I launched it last spring because I realized people needed more more energy. They needed resilience. They needed support. And I had this treasure to share with them. And I was used to teaching it at yoga studios and Tai Chi schools and Aikido dojos. But I thought, let's start doing it in this modality because this is what's happening. And what I discovered was something really cool. First of all, I have students tuning in live from Europe, from Australia, both coasts. So wow. we're truly global. Yeah. And even though I, yes, would I rather be in the room so I can watch you move and I can go over and actually adjust you and help you get more of the flow of chi through? Yes, I would. I would. Yeah, However, right. tuning into these present, the presence of all these people from all over the globe, I mean, yeah. that, that's a, that's a kind of evolution of consciousness. Cause what if we're tuned into more of humanity more of the time anyway in our live stream. Yeah, it's true, man. I, I love that. That's absolutely true. I, you know, I saw a funny meme um, the other day that said when aliens fly, fly past earth, they lock their doors. <laughs> 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 you know, I'm sitting here thinking about you know the 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 stream of things in in today's world, but That's but funny. so and, and one last question. I I don't I know you're a busy guy. I just I, I love this 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 energy, man. Your your energy is off the charts good. Um, it, it, 
what do you feel is is most important your your mind health or your physical health can't separate them can't separate them uh, what i'd say is your spiritual health is what's most important because the, the spiritual is the only reality so if you think you're a body you know you have a it's a loser's game <laughs> i mean i'm you know i cultivate my but it, it's a loser's game you're going down <laughs> oh i love it man right? you're right so, so connect with the spirit be be shift your identity to your spirit and then the mind body thing will sort itself out from there that is so awesome can you hold your books up i'm going to give you full screen sure. oh, thank hold you. your 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 most recent one up here's the most recent one it's called mastering the art of public speaking ordering that today oh thank you so much this is the most famous one how to think like leonardo da vinci seven steps to genius every day and i'm oh, going to talk to you after the live stream and 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 see how much money i have to send you to get autographed copies from you <laughs> and this one is also you know this actually you know what's what's interesting is mastering the art uh, of public speaking is really this the brother sister book of the art of connection oh wow seven, seven relationship building skills every leader needs now so really this is two volumes of the same book okay Here's what I realized is, so I wrote this 22 years ago. Yeah. Got, it's still going strong. It's in 25 languages. Wow. Uh, and, and this helps people really fulfill their, their potential and realize how creative they can become and gives them the tools to, to find solutions and be more creative. And if you work in any kind of endeavor, organization or enterprise, Mm. Only way you're going to get results is by building relationships and influencing and inspiring other people. So that's the that's some of the uh, wow. connection between my best known book, How to Think Like Leonardo, and the more recent books on connection and public speaking. Wow, I'm I am excited to get these books. I'm actually leaving tomorrow and driving to Utah. So if they're available on Audible, I'll be listening to you all the oh, way cool. to YouTube. They are. Yeah. They are, yeah. Yeah. So and Joe thinks I should have been juggling during the entire show. <laughs> Joe, I can I can juggle, Joe. My 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 daughters always ask me. I yeah, I love to juggle. So so Michael, um, where's where's the best place for everyone to follow you? Thank you. If people come to michaelgelb.com, G-E-L-B. MichaelGeld.com. They can sign up for our free newsletter. And there's also lots of free articles and videos. We also are about to launch a super powered how to think like Leonardo da Vinci online video training seminar. It's the full experience, like three days being with me in the seminar room except you can do it in your living room or on your device. So if people go to michaelgelb.com, they'll be able to be on our mailing list and then we'll let you know it's it's coming out in the next few weeks. So we're really wow. excited really excited about that. So yeah, michaelgelb.com, love to hear from people. That's the wow. best. Wow. Are, are you active on social media anywhere like Facebook? Connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. I'm in all awesome. those places too. And you'll awesome. see all the links there on michaelgeld.com. So are you on TikTok yet? Ha <laughs> I can't tell because it's over so fast. <laughs> Michael, thank you so much. You have an infectious laugh. I don't know if you if you saw what Charles Coachman said. A, a world-class winning laugh and smile, the power of positive energy, man. That and it's so true. Like you are. You're walking your talk, and I love that. Well, so are you. So are you. So natural. Gen, you know, the first principle of thinking like Leonardo da Vinci is curiosita. 
never-ending, open-minded curiosity. And you manifest that in such a delightful way. So thank you, my friend. Thank you, Joe. Look, Joe said you could... You <laughs> on TikTok, it's a big deal to get to a hundred thousand followers, and he'd say you could juggle your way to a hundred thousand followers on TikTok. That would be awesome. New new challenge for you in life. Come on, get to a hundred thousand on TikTok. Hey, Michael, if you would stay with me, I'd love to chat with you for a minute after the live stream. I'm gonna go ahead and end this, but. From the bottom of my heart, I'm very, very grateful for you coming on today. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll see you guys later. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.